Sure, color my world, but let's get it right. Hey everybody, I'm Kelly Wilkness here with Anita Joyce, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks. Today we're discussing color theory and how to use it. So let's start off with what is color theory? It derives from the color wheel science behind which colors go well together and the art of putting them together well. So if you don't think science is involved in the color wheel, it has been attributed to Sir Isaac Newton. And artists and designers learn about the color wheel to create a framework or a foundation for their work. So understanding the color wheel is really a basis for, for comprehending color theory and then how to use it in your own home. We're going to link to the color wheel or at least a a website where you can see the color wheel because I think that would be helpful when you're listening to this episode or thereafter just to go have a look at it because a lot of people may have never seen it. You've seen a fan deck from Benjamin Moore or something, but maybe you've never actually seen the color wheel. And as we're talking today, that is going to come up over and over again. So it'd be good to get a visual on that and see what colors are across from each other, what colors are close to each other, how the colors change with tint and use. All of that is really interesting, and I think it will help you not only to absorb and get the most out of this episode, but also going forward when you're choosing colors for your own home. So the interesting thing is there's something called color therapy, or it's also called chromotherapy, and this was practiced by the ancient Egyptians, which is so fascinating that this concept has been around for quite a while. And they used color to heal. Now, was it effective? I can't answer that. But they did, <laughs> but they did use blue, for example, to heal depression and pain. And that's where the term feeling blue came from. Are you feeling blue? That's because they used blue to treat depression, but it seems like it's being used opposite. It seems like they're using it in the opposite way. Like they should be saying, feeling blue, that's feeling better because that's the way they treat it. Anyway, very interesting approach. And Jung thought that color had an impact on behavior also. So this has been around for a while. And there's also not only how it affects the individual, but there's a cultural context. And back in the day, isn't it true that pink was for boys, quote unquote, for boys, and blue was for girls. And somehow, I don't know when that happened, but that switched. And so culturally, uh, the way uh, you understand a color within your own culture or the greater culture of the world is going to affect how it impacts you. So your, your personal experiences, how it is perceived culturally. And then, of course, as we've spoken about numerous times, how it actually looks in your home based upon the light and all of that. But that's a different conversation, not for today, but we can link to some of our other color or paint episodes if you want to dive deeper into all the aspects of this. But understanding the color theory and understanding color psychology or chromotherapy, as Anita mentioned, is really important to help you choose the right colors for your house because we know that it really makes a difference to be surrounded by colors that you love. You've heard over the years, if you've been listening to us for a while, you know, I have a certain color palette that I gravitate to and 
And Anita has a definitely a very different and beautiful color palette that she gravitates to. But, you know, why does lavender and greens and blues make Anita feel so good? And why do, uh, you know, the yellows and the, the, the black and white and yellow combination with some green pop in make me really sing? So, oh, sing, sing is a bad word because you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go back to the pink and blue you were talking about with the mm-hmm. pink used to be for boys and blue used to be for girls. I don't know when it changed, but it changed before I was a kid because when I played the game of life and you got the little pink people, those were girls <laughs> <laughs> to go in your car. And the blue ones were the boys. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. So let's talk about what the perceived health benefits are. And I am saying perceived because it hasn't been proven, but these are the theories out there. Red is supposed to be stimulating and increases appetite. And it's supposed to stimulate conversation. So that's why you see a lot of red in dining rooms. And I used to have an oxblood red dining room. I mean, a deep, deep red dining room. It's also associated with income. Orange is supposed to improve mood and possible thyroid function. Yellow increases concentration and potentially treats arthritis. It's also equated with positivity. So it's considered a good color for a kitchen. And I know growing up, our kitchen was yellow, which is probably why I don't want a yellow kitchen now. <laughs> and our bathroom was the beach. Yes, we. <laughs> That's right. The bathroom was the beach. Green is a calming color, and that might promote a healthy metabolism. Blue suppresses the appetite, might treat migraine pain. It's also supposed to be calming and perfect for a bedroom. Indigo is supposed to promote mental health. And the last one I have here is violet, which is supposed is supposed to help with meditation and potentially endocrine issues. Interesting. So you never hear really about people saying paint your kitchen blue, but I guess if you were trying to be on a diet, based on that, <laughs> you might want to paint your kitchen blue. Forget about the bedroom. The real key to choosing your home colors is yes, this understanding. And we want to share all of that with you today because we do think it's super important, but it's it's really about you. You must choose colors that resonate well with you. And it doesn't really matter what color they say you should paint your bedroom or your kitchen on the web. But these are all guidelines and things to think about or, you know, consider, hey, what is that? Why does that particular color really make me feel good? Well, maybe it's because of some of the things that we just mentioned, or maybe it's because that was the color of your childhood bedroom, or that was the color of your grandma's living room and you used to sit there with her, you know, whatever makes that color important to you. You could start with that color or a tint or a tone or even a shade of that color. So the U, H-U-E, is the pure color. The tint is the U or the color mixed with white. Then the tone is the U mixed with gray And the shade is that you or color mixed with black. So it's sort of toning it down, lightening it up, darkening a little bit, shading it, adding the white. You're going to lighten it a little bit. You might have heard people sometimes say, oh, I love that color, but I had my painter mix it in with 25% white. So that's creating a tint of the you or the color that you like. So you can work on degrees of the color, degrees of saturation, uh, but start with a color that you really love and then go back to this color wheel and mix in some color theory or psychology that we were talking about and then figure out a complementary color to it 
or a color that is more in line with it. So going with a more monochromatic look. Oh, take a look at that color wheel. We'll link it in the show notes. See what colors you really love. Take a look at what the color across from it is. See what the color, if you made a peace sign with it, that's like a third of the way around the wheel from it on either side. And then see the the saturation levels of it when you're going from tint to tone to shade and see what really feels good for you and how you can use that in your home. Because starting with a color that you love, you're never really going to go wrong. And context is also important. So it's how a color is going to make you feel in a chosen room. Right? So you might feel different in a yellow bedroom, which I'm feeling great in these days since I have a yellow bedroom. But for another person, that might not feel make them feel good in the bedroom, but it might feel that, make them feel great in their kitchen. So you really have to f- think about how you are going to react not only to the color, but in what room that you're choosing to put the color in. And of course... We want you to get that flow going through your whole home. So we're going to suggest that you're choosing a color palette, not only that you love, but that's something that you'd be willing to carry through a lot of the rooms. And again, that's another conversation for another day. We've done episodes on how to choose your own color palette, and we have discussed in various other episodes how to use the colors to varying degrees. And I'll just mention it here now. A great rule of thumb is the 60-30 rule. So when you choose the color that you love, you're going to use that color probably as your dominant color. And then you're going to bring in another tone, shade, or uh, or completely different hue in maybe something that's opposite on the color wheel as your 30%. And then you can have this accent color as your 10%. And that's a wonderful way to decorate and just a great rule of thumb to keep in mind when you're purchasing items for a room, whether it's cans of paint or toss pillows, how do you want the colors in your palette working together? You don't really want to have a 50-50 split with two colors or even... Uh, what would it be 33? You know, I'm not great at math, but 33 and a third, <laughs> 33 and a third, 33 and a third uh, of colors. You want to have this differentiation. So the dominant color is going to be the 60%. Then your uh, supporting player, your supporting color is going to be 30%. And then your little cameo role, your accent color is going to be 10%. Yeah. And we were talking about having different hues of a particular color in a client's home yesterday. When we were talking to Carolyn in her Natchez, Mississippi home, which was just beautiful. Oh, I just swooned when I looked at those pictures. And I know, Carolyn, you'd say, oh, and with her great laugh that it was the before pictures. But, oh, the home built in 1910, it's got all the sort of Victorian bells and whistles that I have fallen in love with. It is a beautiful home and it's going to be spectacular. But yes, we were talking about that. (laughs) Right. We were just talking about this. So I did want to get to a survey that was taken because I think this may be one of the largest surveys on color. And they asked people, they listed the colors and asked them, what does this make you think of? And so this was a very large cross-cultural survey that included 30 nations and 22 languages. Wow. So I think it was a pretty big study. So I'm just going to go over it really quickly. It's just uh, just some stats here. And so red meant love to 68% of the people. Orange meant joy to 48%. Yellow meant joy to 52%. 
Green meant commitment to 39%. Blue meant relief to 35%. Turquoise meant pleasure to 35%. Purple meant pleasure to 25%. Pink meant love to 50%. Brown meant disgust to 36%. Black meant sadness to 51%. Gray meant sadness to 48%. And white meant relief to 43% of the people. Isn't that interesting? I was very fascinated by that. Oh, that is really interesting. I'm I'm running those numbers through my head. I'm trying to remember all that you said. I'm uh, sorry, that, I said them very quickly, but yeah. no, no, no. It was that was perfect. I'm just I'm just like ruminating. There was a there seemed to be a lot of love and romance in there, <laughs> no matter what color. Well, yeah, it was with with the reds and the pinks. I think for the love, yes. So, and they obviously were not people that were on the brown trend that we were seeing for 2023 because brown I did know, not fare too well there. <laughs> All I could think about was the brown sofa and what Yvonne said it looked like. <laughs> for anybody who didn't get the treat of that episode was in a big brown turd in your room. And then I'm quoting, right? Mom, I didn't say turd. I'm just saying what the lady said. <laughs> it was just a quote. It was just wasn't my words. <laughs> oh, gosh, that was so funny. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So there you go. How each color affects a person. So, you know, with black, because I remember that when you said, I think 51%. So the 49% maybe thought it was sophisticated you know you just never know so you know people are they're all the over people the that had the brown sofa they they chose they, not they to like comment they on it. It. yeah well maybe yeah maybe one person in the house commented not the other people not everybody's gonna love it uh yeah so yeah there is some science behind all of this uh and definitely each person responds differently to any of the standard colors so back to the individual you really have to put your own stamp on this as we tell you for your entire home right what we're always saying personality add this well you know this could be this this is really the start of it don't let some magazine or some website or two podcasters you know tell you what color any of your room should be we're here to give you the information and the tools like we try to do every time we come into your ears and let you take that information and then make the best decision for you in your home with your family so today we learned a lot about color theory from the wheel and what that is and why it's important and why there is some science to it right and then we incorporated the psychology of it and how that is little science, but you know, nothing's totally proven, but here we're laying it all out for you so you can make the decision that works the best for your home. Kind of reiterate what you're saying is that it is a very personal thing. I think there's an emotional attachment, which is what you were getting at. Like if I saw a green shag rug, I would go into, I don't know, that might cause physical convulsions for me. I'm not really sure. <laughs> See, and I will divulge that my childhood bedroom had a green shag rug. So whereas I would not want a green shag rug now, <laughs> it might make me feel okay to see one. <laughs> I want to remind you that we are available for design consults. We take on your design dilemmas, questions, renovations, any project you want to talk about, any room, any space. We are here for you. And we really do enjoy doing these. And I think we've helped people a lot. So if you want to sign up for a consult, head to the link in the show notes. It's decoratingtipsandtricks.com slash consult. We hope to talk to you soon. 
find colors that you connect with emotionally that have some happy feeling for you. Because I've always liked blues and pinks and purples and kind of in that that to the cool colors. Mm -hmm. But in the 90s, everything moved more toward the warm colors and the reds and the golds and, and browns and yellows. And so it felt my colors felt kind of childish then and kind of uh, frivolous and not kind of didn't have the weighty feel. And so I felt like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go this direction because Mm -hmm. my, my look, it just doesn't even, isn't working with what's out there in society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I just said, you know what, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. Of course, the pendulum in the design world was swinging back to the cool colors anyway, to the blues, Mm -hmm. but I just thought, okay, I'm going back. And I think I'm going to stay there because I love my cool blues and my cool Mm -hmm. purples and lavenders and and pinks and raspberries. Well, that is such a wonderful thing to share because it is so true. And it is underlining what we're talking about today is that because you saw it out there and you were earlier on in your interior design career, in your decorating life, you were in a different home than you're in now. And you decided to go with what was out there, even though maybe inside it didn't feel right to you. And then you tried it, which is great too, because sometimes you have to try it to find out it isn't for you. And that's all right too. And especially if it's just a can of paint or a couple of cans of paint, you can always change it. It's hard when it's an entire fleet of furniture, including a (laughs) giant sofa that I know you had to recover and all of that. I slip covered, so I made that. Right. So So you made, Mm -hmm. so you were able to make it through and you obviously really learned something. And I think we've all had experiences like that. If you've spent any time decorating, you've tried something and you thought it was going to be so great and it just didn't really sit well with you when you were living with it. Maybe it looked great on the page of the magazine. Maybe it looked great at your friend's house, but it really wasn't going to work for you. And that's okay if you tried that. And if you were listening to this and you're in a state of that right now where you tried something you don't love like maybe you went hardcore gray and everything's gray and that you don't want that anymore well you can obviously change that it might be over time but you can definitely make the change and we're suggesting take the advice and the scientific and I'm going a little air quotes there it's the scientific information we gave to you today but there is solid science on the color wheel and the color theory and all of that you can really rely on and Explore that and then take the time to figure out what colors really resonate with you and then choose a color that speaks to you and then create your palette from there. And, you know, on a different note, not necessarily color wise, but I had a similar experience, Anita. When I first moved to California, I had I made new friends and they were terrific and they had very different design senses than I did. They were very modern, very mid-century. And that was like when mid-century was like edgy still to do that. Now it's like, oh, it's everywhere. Um, And I thought, oh gosh, like maybe I should just throw out everything I have and start over because their houses just look so much cooler and I'm in a different place now and maybe I should just completely rethink what I loved. And 
I did get rid of some pieces that I wish I hadn't now because I thought, mm, you know, they are so obviously not this cool look. <laughs> and I wanted to start to have this cool look. And now I wish I had those pieces back. But I was trying something new on. And I ultimately found out it didn't work for me. It didn't work for the house that I was in. And it really didn't work for me personally. So I think we both had that experience. And I bet a lot of people listening have too. And so it's okay to try new things. You know, it's like sometimes you buy an outfit, and you're like, wow, that's something that's different than everything else in my closet. And maybe it feel, makes you feel great. But and, but maybe it also doesn't feel like you, on the other hand. So you just have to figure that out for yourself. But we're here to help with all the information and advice and scientific information we could share today on color theory, color psychology, and the importance of utilizing all that information in making the right decision for your house. That's right. Um. <laughs> Okay, so what are we defining today? All right, uh, we are defining punch list, and I know you know what a punch list is. Uh, if you've built oh, a house, it's when you, know you want to. Yes, it's when you want to punch your contractor because he hasn't finished everything. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of can be like that. Uh, it's you, well, did you ever of- wonder why they call it punch list? <laughs> <laughs> I did, and now I know. Uh, it's a list of tasks that must be completed before the project is considered uh, done. So this isn't major work, but it's things that are, this is usually something where the contractor goes to you and says, okay, you know, check things over and what did we miss, basically? Like there's a scratch on the wall, a spot where it didn't get painted, you know, some, they forgot to put a towel bar up somewhere. Mm-hmm. These are, this is after the contractor or home builder has finished everything. He's checked everything, but now it's your turn to check everything. That's what the punch list is. And if you're building a house, it can be a quite long list. Oh, yes. And my advice to everyone, you have a great contractor if they say, okay, it's your turn to look around and tell me what I haven't done or what isn't right or what needs to be finished or fixed. Um, Lots of times that doesn't happen. They're done. They think they're done. And, you know, everybody has a different perception of done, I guess. And lots of times the contractor needs to move on to another project. So sometimes it's hard to get someone back to do the punch list. It can be very frustrating. So here's what I suggest, you know, having had this experience on numerous occasions. I wonder if you're going to suggest the same thing I do. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I keep a running list while we're going on. And, you know, so it may be something that falls off the punch list because they actually do it. But you especially if you're building a house, you, you're you going to feel the overwhelm of that. And you, you might just want to throw up your hands and be like, I'm done. You know, forget the shoe molding. Don't even do it. Just get out of my house. But don't <laughs> give in to that, right? Because you really want to get it done. And in order to get it done, uh, you know, you want to hold a little moolah back uh, before you pay everything up to the, mm-hmm. the last cent. Uh, because, you know, people are not necessarily, you know, out to get you or bad people, but, you know, they have a new project they want to move on to. Contractors don't love to come back and send a guy or a couple of guys to do these little diddly things, right? It's not really worth their effort, particularly if they've gotten, you know, their full fare and been paid up. So I would suggest you bake into your contract or your relationship or however you're dealing with it, your Venmo payment, hold a little back for the punch mm-hmm. list and be very clear with it. Have it written down. Just don't point. Uh, have it written down. You could even have a copy for them and you can literally go through it and check it off as it gets done. That's exactly what I do. I've been doing that for a long time, maybe 15 years. 
maybe 20 years. I'm trying to think how long I've been doing this a long time. Uh, and some of them kind of, you know, I had a little blowback on occasion, mm. but you know, I just kind of stood my ground and I never had, and because I would always be clear up front. I don't think you can decide to do this at the end. If your agreement is that you pay when they say they're completed, you have to tell them ahead of time. Now, you know, I'm planning to hold back 10 or 20% until I check everything and I have, you know, X amount of days to check everything. And then, you know, you have so much time to get it done and then you'll get the rest if you come back. Now I did have, you know, a contractor not come back, but I had the warm, warm thought that uh, he didn't get his full amount. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, usually it's worked out just fine, but, and they're always going to balk and tell you that's not the way things are done or that's not the way they work. It's not always true uh, mm-hmm. because the smart homeowners are doing that. And I, I do recommend that. And certainly with, um, you know, when you're building a house, if you own the property, I mean, that's kind of the way we worked is that we paid, you know, you have to pay a little bit up front, but it's, you do uh, draws. So you don't just give the whole amount up front. You just give the draw for the amount of work he's getting ready to do. And then at the end, there's not a, there's still some held back until it's completely finish. So I think it is well worth doing. And if the contractor box at that, then I think go on to the next one. Yeah, I agree with you. In the honeymoon stage, when you're, oh, this is going to be all so great. It may be a wonderful relationship all the way to the end. I have some great people, particularly in this house that I've worked with, but you have to anticipate situation where maybe everything's not going to be done. Make sure you think about all these things when you start out. And if it's a written contract, get it in there. If it's a, just a, a verbal understanding, then when they ask you for the last amount, just take a little bit off and say, you know, this is this is what I'm going to hold back until I get a chance to look around. You know, it, it might not be a full build. It might just be a weekend worth of work. It's still a situation where you need to look at the work. If you're out, they finish, they leave, you come back, it's not right, but you've paid them everything. You can't hold back the whole amount or even 50%. Don't do, don't do that. That's not really no, fair. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. That's not fair at all, especially since if they have to buy materials and whatnot. No, something that would be, uh, you know, a reasonable amount. And if, if like in any situation, the guy didn't come back, then you could go out and find somebody else to do it for just about that amount of money. So it's usually just little things. But right. yeah, those little things, you want to have those all those little details done. Super psyched about my crush. All right, what is it? Well, I've been looking for something like this for a while, and I almost bought one uh, through an Instagram ad, and boy, am I glad I didn't, because then I went to look at the company's site, and they were just gone. So I thought, oh, no, good thing I didn't do that. So I've been looking around, but everybody's probably seen or experienced these little battery-operated lamps. A lot of restaurants are now having them on the tables instead of candles, and you've probably seen them advertised. Maybe you've seen them advertised on Instagram as well. But I found a company that had a lot of great reviews and still had a website when I went over there. There. And <laughs> the light that I picked out was called, it's called Geraldine, which is my mom's name. So it kind of felt like, oh, maybe this is an omen. This is the one I should get. The company is Solarco. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like Solar I K O, Solarico, something like that. I haven't heard it 
said, so I'm not sure, but that's how you spell it. And that's their website. I will link it in the show notes. It is a beautiful 18-inch gold lamp. You can get it in black, I think in white, and I have the brush gold. You tap it on top, it goes on hold for a long hold, and you can dim it. And it has a 20, 15 to 20 hour a charge, and then they give you a little charger, you plug it in, and you're good to go. I haven't had to charge it yet, but I've had it for about a week. I have it on my desk up here in my office, and it's terrific because my desk is kind of in the middle of the room-ish, and not up against a wall, so I didn't have a plug nearby. I'm thrilled. It throws off a nice amount of light, and it's just a lovely design. Oh, that sounds so wonderful. Yeah, you could tuck it in anywhere. You could tuck it into a vignette. I'm, I'm, I'm carrying it around the other day, thinking where are all the other places I could get one. And they have a tall one, which is the one I got. And then I think they have a shorter one, and they call it the mini Geraldine. And it's uh, probably about eight inches, because I think mine's about 15. And that could be darling on a bookshelf or something like that. Mm-hmm. Really good. Nice. My crush are some Tommy Hilfiger duck boots. and. I found a pair that have some houndstooth around the ankle. As you know, they're, they're kind of go up around your ankles a little bit. So these were just super cute. I just thought they were super charming, really a glossy black boot. And then, like I said, around the ankle, or maybe what you would call the collar of the boot, it has this houndstooth fabric and then kind of a strap to kind of tighten up the boot. And then it laces up as well. Really cute and charming. The reason I'm mentioning it is because, and actually I bought these a couple of weeks ago on Amazon and they were 50% off. They're still 50% off. So Ooh. Uh, I think it's a really good deal. And I love the the Tommy Hilfiger boots. I actually have a different pair of Tommy Hilfiger boots. And so that's why I thought this one would be a good quality sight unseen. I felt comfortable buying it. So uh, yeah, check it out. I've got the uh, the link here in the show notes. So thanks so much for hanging out with us today. And remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. 